everybody, and Happy New Year. Welcome to A Trophy Life, the official podcast of the Naismith Awards. This is Bob Rathman coming to you from Atlanta, and a big show for you. My guest this week is our dear friend, Fran Fraschilla of ESPN, our host during Final Four weekend, and Fran will be on the call for Baylor and Iowa State that's coming up on Saturday, January the 1st, a 2 p.m. Eastern Time tip from Ames, and the game can be seen on ESPNU. Both teams unbeaten. It's going to be wild in Ames at Hilton, and Fran will be around to talk about that and all things college basketball coming up in just a moment. Make sure to follow Fran at Fran Fraschilla. He's quite a prolific tweeter, by the way. And you can follow us, of course, at Naismith Trophy on both Instagram and Twitter. Follow me at Bob Rathbun TV. Our Jersey Mike's News and Notes of the Week, we want to touch on a couple of games that Fran and I did not, and they're coming up this weekend and on into next week. Friday at noon, High Point will play at Kentucky. And this is a very special game for us because High Point coach Tubby Smith is going to be honored by Kentucky. Of course, Tubby led them to a national championship, and he is going to be recognized with a banner at Rupp Arena. That's coming up on Friday at noon, so we're so thrilled for our good friend Tubby Smith. He will be honored at that Kentucky game. And also into next week on Monday, Wisconsin will be at Purdue. In women's basketball, circle these games. Ohio State at Michigan at noon on Friday. And then Sunday, two key games in the ACC, one right here in Atlanta, as number three Louisville plays at number 16 Georgia Tech. Notre Dame will also be at Duke on Sunday. And in the Big Ten, the Maryland women play at Indiana. So key women's games as well. The big men's game in the country, of course, is Bela, Iowa State. And we will talk with Fran about that when we continue after this from Jersey Mike's. If Jersey Mike's Turkey had a resume, it would say it's 99% fat-free and raised without antibiotics. But our turkey already has its dream job at Jersey Mike's because premium meat makes a sub above. It's the biggest game in the country this weekend, New Year's Day, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on ESPNU. Undefeated Baylor and undefeated Iowa State. And the man who will call it is our guest on this week's a Trophy Life Naismith podcast, and that's Fran Fraschilla from ESPN, our dear friend and my dear friend. Happy New Year, buddy. Mr. Rathman, Happy New Year to you, your family, your Atlanta Hawks family, and let's just keep our fingers crossed that uh, things get better and better and that uh, we have semblance of a normal basketball season here in the next month or two. But uh, we're grateful for any game, and I'm grateful for the opportunity to go to Ames this weekend. Uh, and uh, hopefully see a barn burner because, speaking of barns, Hilton Coliseum is as good as it gets when their team is good. And Iowa State, Fran, has come out of nowhere to be unbeaten yeah. at this point. Are they for real? Well, they are, Bob. I think they're getting the most out of it. First of all, they're incredibly well coached by T.J. Otzelberger, and uh, a guy that has great Iowa State roots. He was an assistant to three coaches there. His wife, Allison Lacey, is one of the all-time great Iowa State Cyclones, former WNBA player, first-round pick. And uh, he bleeds at, uh, you know, whatever they call it, crimson and gold, you know, and, and they play extremely hard. For If you're a high school or a junior high coach and you want to watch incredible, great man-to-man help defense, uh, it starts with them. They're as good as I've seen in a long time, just from a technique standpoint, and they're overachieving on the offensive end. Isaiah Brockington, a kid who's been a journeyman, 
St. Bonaventure, Penn State for two years uh, has been absolutely outstanding. And uh, he, he leads the Big 12 with six double-doubles. They don't score well if he's not scoring, but defensively they're, you know, they're among the elites in the country. Let's turn our attention to Baylor. They're the reigning champs, and Fran, I swear on the national scene, they're being undersold. In the calendar year <laughs> of 2021, they went 32-2. and They lost yeah. to Kansas, and they lost at home to Oklahoma State, and that's it. But you don't think of Baylor as, you know, one of the blue bloods, but they are every bit of that, and it looks like this team is just picking up where last year's team left off. Well, you're right, and let me put it in even greater perspective. How about 66-6 and since the start of the 1920 season? And remember, the COVID year, they were going to be a, a, a number one seed. So. Yes. It's been amazing. It is no question. Like for somebody like me who's been along this Baylor journey for 18 or 19 years now, covering the Big 12, covering Baylor, and getting to get to know Scott Drew probably as well as anybody, uh, I'm still surprised, Bob. I, I'm still surprised by the the ability to continue. First of all, it's the greatest rebuilding job in college basketball history. No doubt. Uh, given and if you if you're if you're listening to the podcast, just go and you know Google Baylor basketball scandal circa 2002, and you'll you'll know what I mean. But Bob, um, they're not only they not only have been good for the last oh t- decade or so, and now have a national championship in their back pocket. They're equally as good this year, despite losing three NBA players and an NFL tight end, by the way, in Marcus yeah, Vidal. Right. Who's now with the Kansas City Chiefs, fitting for him the way he played, and uh, but they have the two best freshmen in in the Big Twelve, two of the best in the country, and here's the crazy thing: their recruiting is is going gangbusters for next year, and so I've said this a couple times, uh, but I'm going to say it on your podcast and break national news. Okay, you like do you like that? If I do, yes, that? sir. Yes, sir. I, I think Scott Drew is headed to the to the Naismith Hall of Fame. I really do. I think at 51, given what he's done already. Um, given the given the fact that he's got a national championship, which is a big check mark when you talk about Hall of Fame coaches, but I think ten years from now or less, this guy is going into the Naismith Hall of Fame. What he's doing, uh, new arena on the way, by the way, in Waco. Um, I don't know who's more important to Central Texas, Chip and Joanna Gaines or Scott Drew, <laughs> but they're equally important. And the renaissance at Baylor is historic, needless to say. No doubt. It's a 1-1-A entry in Waco, that's for sure. Um, yeah. Let's, I know you're getting ready to travel to Ames so as we record this, so I do want to get your take on a couple of things, Fran. Uh, the Big East, um, I want to talk to you about Providence. Uh, they finally broke into the top 25. They're 12-1. and uh, They won at UConn, beat Seton Hall in a key game, and then had yeah. the one game with Georgetown, uh, postponed. I want to talk to you about that in just a minute, but tell us about the Friars because I know there's some some Providence blood in you still. There is. In fact, they broke out the Otis Thorpe uniforms last night uh, in their game with Seton Hall. You know, for for uh, historic reference, uh, a little bit of gold and black there in that go. uniform. Yeah. Uh, you know, I coached there as you know with Rick Barnes back in the late '80s, early '90s, the absolute absolute heyday of the Big East. Uh, hey, heyday and haymakers, they kind of go hand in hand in that league. But uh, Eddie Cooley is the perfect fit for Providence, has been 
is. And uh, this guy grew up in that town, whereas other coaches use it as a stepping stone. This is his home. And each and every year, whether they're a tournament team or not, they're usually extremely feisty, uh, tough to play, tough crowd, uh, tough, great fans up there, tough on both the road team and the home team, if you know what I mean. Uh, but this year he's got a really good group of blue-collar guys, some transfers, uh, uh, Al Durham from Indiana, Justin Manette, Manaya, uh, uh, from South Carolina, the son of uh, Omar Minaya, the baseball mm-hmm. executive. And Nate Watson's a fifth-year Providence guy who's a beast. So they're, they're, t- they're typical Providence, typical Eddie Cooley, tough as nails. And in a league where Villanova has certain, certainly shown some vulnerability, uh, Providence is emblematic of a league that really has, I think, six teams that could compete to win this title when all is said and done in early March. The other thing about the Big East, Fran, is the Providence-Georgetown game, uh, which was a forfeit. I think most conferences now have seen yeah. the error of their ways uh, and not to declare these games forfeits. And I, Is the Big East online yet? Have they switched? Because I think just about everybody else has to reschedule I these and not make did. them forfeits. Yeah, I thought they did, Bob. I, I haven't checked. It seems to me, uh, especially over the last couple of days, that I think the last holdouts, uh, you know, in college basketball, uh, were going to change the rule. The, the forfeit uh, rule, I think, was put in place. Um, I'm trying to think now. You know, we didn't expect to have a wave like we have now with the, uh, uh, Omicron. And so I think the, I think this forfeit deal went into effect with the idea that um, we were past that, we, you know, we were going to, you know, we weren't going to have another wave. And it's clear in, in pro sports and college sports in life that this this recent COVID wave is affecting, uh, you know, life again for all of us. And so I think that where we didn't build in the, the open dates that uh, this year that we did last year, and so I think you know, it, it caused some of these leagues early on to say, oh, we don't have time to play these games, so they're going to be forfeits. I think that now, I'm even sure, that I have to I have to double check, but I, I think the Big East is, is falling in line if they haven't already. Because, again, we this is unexpected, and we just have to figure out whether we can make up some of these games in conference play throughout January, February, early March, or just treat them as no contests and uh, – you know, the uneven schedule is already part of college basketball as we speak anyway with some of these mega leagues. So I, I think that's going to end up being the case just about any everywhere. Fran, let's talk about the SEC. Uh, we saw Auburn uh, hold serve against LSU on, on their home court down in the jungle. Uh, the only time those two teams are going to meet during the regular season, Walker Kessler had 11 block shots in that game. But I Auburn, <laughs> I know. But, you know, Auburn may have the number one pick in the draft next summer. I love this young yeah. man. Jabari yeah, Smith Jabari. is something. Well, I'll tell you, he looks like an, he looks like a top pick. He looks like the number one pick. He moves like one. He, uh, you know, gosh, his legs are, I mean, his legs are so long. It's unbelievable watching him out on the court. And his misses are pretty. Even when he misses, <laughs> Bob, you know, he's, he's, he's only shooting 43% from three right now and 83% from the foul line. But at 6'10", and I don't think he's turned 19 yet, 
Um, 6'10", tremendous athlete. Um, I think it's so early to decide, and so much basketball left to decide whether it's going to be Jabari Smith, pa- uh, Paolo Bancaro, or or Chet Holmgren, or maybe even a sleeper like Jay Nivey out of Purdue, like Russell Westbrook, like uh, you know mid mid career Russell that is. Uh, I just think that this kid is uh, is special. You know, he's a, an Atlanta area kid, and uh, he's been sensational. And typical typical Bruce Pearl's teams, uh, they come at you in waves. They're you know they're they're just you know he's a great coach. They have a great defense. They get up and down the floor. He's got some transfers, obviously. KD Johnson's been great. The kid from uh, Georgia, uh, and you mentioned Walker Kessler, who is really starting to come into his own. In fact. When you look at Jabari at 6'10 and Walker at 7'1, and they play fast and get up and down and press a little bit, it's, uh, it's, it's a vintage Bruce Pearl team. I was watching Alabama and Tennessee late last night, and another amazing win for Bama. They've played yeah. two games at home that have been two of the most entertaining and exciting games I've seen, the Houston game. And the Tennessee yeah. game. I mean, these are white knucklers right down to the wire. Well, and Bob McKillop would would argue that their game at Alabama was entertaining also. Yeah, right. One, oh, yeah. one yep. point win for Davidson. But, yeah, uh, it, you know, this is a – I think this is a – the difference, I think, between this Alabama team and the last Al- – the team that, that we watched a year ago uh, that had such a great run through the SEC is they don't – as much as they have some guards that are ballyhooed, um, they're not shooting the ball as well as they did a year ago. Um, you know, but we love Shackelford, we love J.D. Davidson, uh, we love Javon Quinterly, but Davidson shooting 29% and and Quinterly shooting 27%. So, and they lost and they lost great players, John Petty and Herb Jones and some of the others. So, uh, but they're ten and three. And again, they get up and down, and they do play fast, and they do shoot threes. And because they shoot threes and are missing this year, uh, somewhat, somewhat, they're doing a great job on the offensive glass. And uh, you know, again, like like LSU, like Auburn, maybe Kentucky, uh, although they're you know the jury's out. They really, I don't think they've played. Uh, although they beat North Carolina, but uh, I think Kentucky's right there with them. But I do think the top of that league is going to be up for grabs. And then Mississippi State had a big win last night. uh, Mm -hmm. Florida at times has been pretty good, up and down, I think. But, uh, yeah, I think the top of the SEC is pretty good. Hey, Fran, out west, I think another great story for what Tommy Lloyd is doing uh, is Arizona. The Wildcats are 11-1. What's your take take on the Pac-12? Well, I think think the thing about Tommy Lloyd is um, we never thought he would leave Gonzaga. He was the heir apparent. And, uh, yeah. But I think Arizona came along and, and, you know, it would have been inconceivable, Bob, 10 years ago if you picked up a paper and said Arizona just hired Gonzaga's assistant head coach, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but but they have so much cachet, obviously, at Gonzaga for good reason that Tommy not only uh, was a great coach at Gonzaga, I know that firsthand because I know that program well, but he fell into a great situation, and I mean this very sincerely. He has acknowledged that Sean Miller left behind a terrific group of kids. When you talk about uh, Ben Matherin, who is uh, a lottery pick, and uh, Tubelis, uh, the, uh, the the kid from Lithuania, and then 
Coloco, a 7-1 kid who gets better and better from Cameroon. And Creesa, the young man, I believe is from Estonia. There's a pattern here. I don't know if you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and by the way, Tommy Lloyd is the master of international recruiting. So he has inherited a great group from Sean Miller, has acknowledged that. And then Tommy has always been a great offensive mind, and they're playing terrific. And, uh, you know, their their main competition in that league, obviously, is UCLA, but we haven't seen them play uh, because of COVID since uh, December 11th, if that's, you know, fathomable. I believe that. Yes. Yeah. But I, but I, liked, I liked UCLA. I think USC, who's still undefeated, uh, is a solid team. I think they're overachieving right now, but I think those are the top three teams in, in that league. And, you know, the one conference we haven't talked about, the Atlantic Coast Conference. Um, man, uh, it's uh, it's just shocking, you know, to those of us around here. Yeah. Um, although, yeah. I must say, um, I think Wake Forest is, is uh, improving. Uh, Steve Forbes yeah. seems to have this transfer thing figured out, as, as you would expect with his background. Yeah. But uh, the yeah. league as a whole uh, is, is down and struggling. It is. Uh, you know, Duke is clearly the best team. Uh, there have been moments from Carolina this year, and Hubert, I think, will get it going, Hubert Davis. Uh, Wake Forest has definitely overachieved. They have an interesting story. Alondis Williams, a kid I watched for two years at Oklahoma, mm-hmm. uh, took his super senior year to Wake Forest, and he's been just a you know, first-team all-league player. And, uh, you know, I do I, – I, you know, I'm going to say this, Bob. I, I think the Jimmy Phillips is the new commissioner. I know Jim. He's a longtime basketball guy. He's not a football guy, although he has to be, obviously. But I think what, what Greg Sankey did in the SEC when he brought Mike uh, Trangisi in as a consultant on SEC basketball, I think the ACC needs a, a facelift when it comes to basketball. I really do. I think they need to put their heads together and figure out how to promote the league better. You and I uh, are of an era, uh, and I say this fondly, where for many, many years the ACC didn't need any self-promotion because the league was just, you know, historic. Um, But I think right now when you're talking about, you know, far-flung places like Pittsburgh and Syracuse and Miami and parts in between, I I just think that, uh, you know, there's got to be something done where the league promotes basketball a little better. And I don't know if it's us on ESPN or, you know, the, the conference office, but I know we don't have that problem in the Big 12. You know, it's it's rocking and rolling with good teams year in and year out, but there's just too much ebb and flow in that league and not enough consistency of, of success. Of success. Yeah, I don't you think the time has come for the ACC to split into two divisions? and schedule appropriately and have home and home and to redevelop these rivalries again? Probably. I think your idea is one of, uh, again, like one that Jim Phillips and his staff and, and the ADs and coaches in that league need to need to figure out because there are many nights in the ACC where games are just irrelevant. They really are. And I love, I love some of the history of that league. I mean, when I was growing up in New York to get a Duke Carolina game on in the seventies on uh, whatever it was, Jefferson pilot, Raycom, uh, you know, well, you would know better than me, but uh, it was a thrill on a Saturday night to get, you know, Billy Langlow and Virginia uh, against Dean Smith and Phil Ford and they're holding the ball and going four corners and doesn't sound exciting now, but Ralph Sampson and bias and Jordan and, 
you know, the great Duke teams of the 80s and 90s. And I, I do think that despite the fact that there's still some really good basketball in that league, that uh, as a purist, I'd love to see that league, you know, get kick-started a little bit and figure out ways to make that league better. And, you know, your idea about divisions might be one of many ideas that need to be looked at closely. Well, Fran, we know you're packing your bags for Ames. We have it set. Our social schedules have been adjusted. We'll all be in front of the TV at 2 p.m. Eastern time on New Year's Day to watch Baylor and Iowa State. And we can't thank you enough for taking time out uh, to join us on the pod this week. And uh, from all of us to you and Meg and the boys, happy New Year, safe travels, and uh, we'll see you on TV, buddy. Bob, it's always a pleasure, and we will catch up soon. And you stay safe, and let's uh, let's uh, let's get back to normal soon. We will. We just got to stay positive uh, and test negative. There you go, the great Fran Frischilla from ESPN. Fran, thank you. Appreciate your time, and thank you also for what you do for this awards program. Uh, you're our host at Final Four Weekend. You do so much to help us, and and we really appreciate it. I want to remind everybody to follow Fran at Fran Frischilla and follow us at Naismith Trophy on Instagram and Twitter and get the latest on the comings and goings for the new year. And the first item of business for 2022 is for us to wish you health and safety. Uh, we've got to get through this somehow. Not quite sure how this outbreak has been uh, problematic to be sure, but Hope that you and yours are safe and healthy and stay that way into the new year. And make sure you subscribe to our podcast. That would mean a lot to us, too, as you can get us through the Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Download them each and every week. Great content from our guests like Fran this week, and it helps us get the word out to college basketball fans everywhere. So until next week, happy new year, happy healthy new year from all of us at the Naismith Awards. Until next week, Bob Rathman saying so long.